0: Today's scripture reading is from 1 Kings 18 to 20, sorry, 18, 20 to 21, and 30 to 38. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the tribe's descendants from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench round it, large enough to hold two shears of sea. He arranged the wood, cut the bowl into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering on the wood. Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. Then the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elisha stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, isaac and israel let it be known today that you are god in israel and that i am your servant and have done all these things at your command answer me lord answer me so these people will know that you lord are god and that you are turning their hearts back again then the fire of the lord fell and burned up the sacrifice the wood the stones the soil and also licked up the water in the trench when all the people saw this they fell prostrate cried the lord he is god the lord he is god
1: amen as we come to the word let's just pray together lord it is our prayer that even as we gather around your word that your fire would indeed fall that your fire would fall afresh on our hearts and in our lives and lord we thank you that as we gather around your word that it is the living word of the living god for your living people. So Lord, speak to us afresh this morning, set our hearts with heavenly fire ablaze, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, every new year brings, first of all, isn't it great to sing that song, right? When we were growing up, Pastor Andrew and I used to have a running joke that he knew who picked the songs, if that song was sung, right? Because I pick it all the time. But it's a great, great song. And it's a great way to focus in before we come and gather around the word. But this is indeed the first Sunday of the new year. And that brings with it a unique sense of expectation and excitement. Because it's a new year. It's not an old year. It's a new year. And we worship the God of new things. It's an opportunity for us, yes, to look back on all that has passed by but also to look forward on all that could be. It's also a time when people make a deliberate effort to change something. Maybe it's a pattern in their lives, a habit that they have, maybe an opportunity to set goals and aim towards something meaningful. How many of you have heard this question already this year? You set any New Year's resolutions? Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody anybody set any New Year's resolutions for this year? Do you know? I asked the same question last year, and everybody except Karen said no. And this year, everybody except Karen said no. <laughs> but what's your New Year's resolution, Karen? I'm going to go and walk in the morning before I eat anything. Just round the block. That's it. Nice. Nice. It doesn't need to be something that's highfalutin or something that's really out of rates, but something that's actually really attainable, and something that is really good. One year New Year's resolution I set as a new father last year was I thought that I would have all this extra time because the kids would sleep. So I set myself a goal of reading 52 books last year. And to get to that 52, I added the likes of The Very Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> you know, all of these different books. It was so unattainable. But there are many different New Year's resolutions that people have. And again, like I did last year, I looked up what the most popular ones are as we enter into this new year. Some people want to read more books, like me. Some people want to drink two litres of water a minimum a day. Some people want to walk 5k minimum a day. Someone to keep a clutter free home. And to them I say, you do not have children. Someone to do, do, do more volunteering. Some want to make new friends. Some want to um, grow established friendships. Someone to lose weight. That's a very popular one, isn't it? Someone to exercise more. Someone to put aside half an hour in their day to simply journal and to write down their thoughts. Some want to count their blessings more. In a world where we're berated with negative all the time, they want to find the positive, even in the mundane. And some people simply want to accomplish something different every single day. A new year presents to each one of us an opportunity to draw a line in the sand and to start again. But the reality is that statistically, most New Year's resolutions are broken or completely forgotten about by the 15th of January. People have the best of intentions, and then life gets in the way. Sometimes something happens and people slide back into their habits, the old habits, and patterns of life. In our passage, which Sabrina read so beautifully for us this morning, the people of Israel are faced with a decision. They have a decision to make. A new opportunity has presented itself. This man, Elijah, that she read about, Elijah was a prophet of God. He was God's mouthpiece in many ways. One who would go and give the people messages from God. He was the only prophet of God in all of Israel at this time. You see, the people of Israel were governed by a bad king, Ahab, and his wife Jezebel. Maybe you've heard of Ahab and Jezebel, and if you haven't heard of Ahab, you've probably heard of Jezebel. Wicked, wicked rulers who sought to bring the people of Israel as far away from the things of God as they possibly could. And as a result of their ruling, the people of Israel have fallen into a bad habit, a destructive habit. They've fallen into idol worship, specifically the idol of idols of the false god Baal. They have neglected their relationship with God. They had forgotten the command that God had given them that you shall have no other gods but me. You shall not build for yourself any graven images. You'll not build for yourself any idols. They'd forgotten the commands that God had given to them. And Elijah The story of Elijah, if you have time, read through the book of 1 Kings. Read through the book of 2 Kings too, because that's pretty good as well. But follow the story of Elijah in the book of 1 Kings. Elijah has enough. Elijah has enough, and he goes and he confronts. He goes and he confronts, and he says, You get all your prophets, all the prophets of Baal, and I will meet you up at the top of Mount Carmel. A central mountain that overlooked many of the inhabitants. Get them there and you know what? Don't just bring your prophets, bring all the people of Israel. Bring all the inhabitants of the land that they too may come up and they may see what's going on. And he, point, he says to them, there's 450 of you, there's one of me. Let's both build an altar. We'll both build an altar to our respective gods. You build your altar, I'll build my altar. And we'll both take some time, one after the other, to call upon our God that he may send fire from heaven upon the altar. And whoever's God sends the fire from heaven, that God is the one true God. This is the conversation that takes place. Elijah's really sticking his neck out here. There's 450 of them, and there's one of him. Right? He's really sticking his neck out. But such is his faith in God that he goes, do you know what, no, I know that my God is the one true God. So, he calls for this. And as the people of Israel are standing around, they thought that they were going simply to be spectators of this event. But Elijah turns around to them. And he says basically to them, you need to make up your mind. You're dipping into this. You're dipping into the things of God and you're dipping into idol worship and you cannot be on the fence. You need to make up your mind. We're told in verse 21 exactly Exactly. what Elijah says. He turns to the people. He went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? He's a lot more gracious than I would have been. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. They looked at him. You can imagine, have you ever been confronted by somebody and they're trying to pull you up on something and you know they're right and you just do this? You just look down. You look down at the ground and you hope that the ground will swallow you up. That's where the people of Israel find themselves right now. Wishing that the ground would swallow them up beneath them. Right at the start, Elijah challenges the people. How many of you like to be challenged? Right? Not very many of us like to be challenged. Not very many of us like to be called out. But Elijah starts by calling out the people by challenging them and he says how long will you waver between these two opinions? You see it's not as if the people of Israel had fallen out of love with God. It's not that God wasn't important to them anymore. It's not that they had forgotten all that he had done for them in the years that had gone by. Rather It was as though he had become less important to them. It's as though they had stopped seeking him as they once had. It's as though they had allowed the noise and the pressures of life and the pressures from the king and queen to get on top of them rather than following after God like they knew they ought to. The people of Israel were worshipping idols as well as worshipping God. And that's a mix that simply does not work. It's got to be one or the other. You see, the people of Israel claimed the name of God. They claimed the name of God's chosen people. But because of all the other distractions and things which they were putting before God, this started to take their toll on their relationship with him. Suddenly God's people had stopped reflecting the holiness of God, the God whom they had claimed to follow. They were merely paying lip service to the fact that they were the people of God and they weren't living out this reality in their lives any longer. In other words, they become passive. You know what I mean when I say passive? It's as if they just shrug their shoulders and get on with. Meh. It's alright. It's as if they say, well, I went to the temple on Saturday. I've done my bit. They became passive. And everybody looking on could see it. Everybody who looked at the people of Israel could see that they had become passive. You see, they were just like everybody else, yet they were called to be a people who would be an example to the nations. This morning, as we gather as the people of God, we're not here by accident. And you're here because by and large, you want to be here. This morning, God asks each one of us the same question. He doesn't ask me as the minister a different question. He doesn't ask the leadership of the church a different question. He doesn't ask somebody who's been a Christian for 70 years a different question. He asks each one of us, no matter what stage of the journey we're on, the same question. He says, when others look at you, do they see a reflection of my holiness, of my love and mercy? Of my grace in your life or did they just see someone who is no different than everybody else <coughs> it's no secret that 2021 <coughs> was just as bad if not worse than 2020. it was a tough year we're tired aren't we we're tired mentally we're tired physically and it would be so <coughs> easy It would have been so easy throughout 2021 for us to take our eyes off the finisher and perfecter, the author and finisher of our faith. In 2021, I wonder were we swept away by other things which were not him? Have we begun to worship other things and other people even, giving them pride and place in our lives? A position which was always, and is always, meant for God alone. Have we made idols out of things which we never ever intended to take the place of God in our lives, but they slowly did? Have we placed our trust in politicians rather than in God, or the chief medical officer, Have we placed our trust in our ideals, in our hopes, and in our dreams? Have we placed them in our careers, our social status, our families, our friends, or even our memories? Things which, by the way, are not bad in and of themselves. But when they take the place of God, that's when problems begin to happen. As a people of God, we're called to be a peculiar people. The word peculiar is a peculiar word because it doesn't mean weird, right? If you looked at somebody and you said, and they're peculiar, it wouldn't necessarily be a compliment. But the word peculiar here means different, it means holy, it means set apart. We're called to be a set apart people, a people who stand out for Him we read in first Peter chapter 2 and verse 19 but you that's us it's the royal you but you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light church both those of us in the building right now and those who are maybe isolating at home or are watching online, let us not lose sight of who we are and whose we are called to be. This morning, as we enter into a new year, we have a decision to make, just like the people of Israel gathered round on Mount Carmel. We have a decision to make. Whether we've been following Jesus for 50 years or 50 seconds, or maybe we're not even following him just now. Just as Elijah said to the people of Israel on Mount Carmel, so the Holy Spirit of God says to us today, the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, if these other things in our lives, these idols. If Baal is God, follow him. And may we, united, declare with heart and with soul, just as the people of Israel did in verse 39, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, the story ends with people experiencing God's glory. The story ends with people falling flat on their faces in awe and in wonder at all that God, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Israel, our God, in awe of all that our God had done in their midst. It became apparent very quickly that all the things that the people of Israel had ran to simply could not satisfy them. All of the distractions which life had brought and the people had allowed to take priority over God, it became apparent that these things could not save them and could not sustain them. God moved in power in response to the prayer which Elijah prayed and Sabrina read for us. His fire fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Look, I told you before, I think, I was not very good at chemistry in school, right? But I have a very basic knowledge that water puts out fire And God's glory falls, the fire falls, and the fire licks up the water. Church, this is all in response to a prayer that Elijah prayed. Elijah prayed not that God would save his bacon, not that God would save him amidst the 450 prophets of Baal that he had just humiliated, and these prophets who couldn't wait to get their hands on him and give him what for? Rather, Elijah's prayer was that the glory of God would be shown. And that the people would have their hearts turned back toward God. Elijah went back into a corner, prayed that the God of all creation would send an awakening on the mountaintop. And he answered them. Elijah prayed that God would send an awakening on the mountaintop. And God answered him. And this God that we read about is the same God whom we love, serve and adore. And this this God is our God, who is still in the business of answering prayer and of saving souls. Of sending fire from heaven and convicting the hearts of men, women, and children. We gather on this first Sunday of the new year to worship and renew our covenant with this one true God, who is exactly who he says he is, by the way. And this morning he calls us to have the faith that Elijah had and to cry out to him to turn our hearts and the hearts of our nation back to him. And that starts with our families. That starts with our community. That starts with our neighbours. That starts with our workplaces. It starts with our schoolmates. It starts with our university mates. But it also starts with you. And it also starts with me. Church, God longs to turn back the hearts of this nation to Him. He longs to do it. And I truly believe that 2020 will be a year, 2022 rather, will be a year of growth, of salvation, and of awakening in this nation and in the kingdom of God. But before this awakening can happen, there needs to be a revival amongst the people of God a renewal of covenant between God and his people, between God and us. May we be the people who God has called us to be. May we renew our covenant with him this morning. May we follow after him with heart and with soul and go on mission and serve the purposes of God in this community and within our spheres of influence because 2022 may ju- might just be that year where awakening takes place on our streets but there must first be revival in the hearts of the people of God an unceasing love for him and a ceasing of wavering between two opinions and a clear commitment to the one true God let's pray Lord we love you we thank you for your word we thank you for your challenge that you give to us today and as we continue on in this covenant service Lord we believe that you've already spoken into our hearts may we respond in kind and renew our covenant with you. In Jesus' name, amen.